I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to a very special episode of Nerd Alert. Yeah, I said very special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking about the favorite. Favorite host in all of podcasting. That's yeah, that's what the listeners say. In the entirety of podcasting, no one is a more loved host than me. Prove me wrong. Okay, my special, very special guest this week. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome from our flagship show, Friends with Benefits. It's also Chris? Also Chris. I obviously didn't choose the name, but, you know, after so many times of, like, talking to people and that kind of stuff, you know, he would always introduce the show, and he'd go, I'm Chris. And I'd be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm also Chris. So eventually it just became, I'm also Chris. Well, you know what? You're the only Chris in the room today. You're Chris. <laughs> that was, oh, shit. I'm knocking over, uh, I'm okay. knocking over stuff, too. It's okay. We'll be okay. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, We're going to get super nerdy today and talk about a, I don't even know what to call it, a a, a element of geekdom. So we're all about, you know, nerds or comic book nerds. We're all about our superhero movies, right? Uh, And our connected universes and all that kind of shit, our MCUs, our Snyder versus all that stuff. But while the whole Marvel DC thing and the MCU has been, you know, getting bigger and bigger and bigger to where it maybe can't support its own weight, and the DCEU has been just a fucking roll of the dice every movie, whether it's going to be good or bad or terrible or god awful or a flop or a success and whatever, quietly in the background, Warner Brothers, uh, DC Warner Brothers animation has been building what may be the most robust uh, movie adaptation connected universe in all of entertainment. I'm talking about the DC animated original movie universe, the DCAOMU. Rolls right off the tongue, I know. Yeah, uh, they have released over 50 movies in the last 15 years. I'm just going to start spouting off titles. So between the years 2007 and this current year, 2023, we have had, in no particular order, 
Justice League Flashpoint Paradox, Justice League War, Son of Batman, Justice League Throne of Atlantis, Batman vs. Robin, Batman Bad Blood, Justice League vs. the Teen Titans, Justice League Dark, Teen Titans Judas Contract, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, Death of Superman, Constantine, City of... I can't read my handwriting, Dreams, uh, Reign of the Superman, Batman Hush, Wonder Woman Bloodlines, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, uh, Superman Doomsday, the first one that kicked it all off. Hold on, here we go. Uh, Justice League New Frontier, Batman Gotham Knight, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern First Flight, Batman Superman Public Enemies, Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, Batman Under the Red Hood, Superman Batman Apocalypse, All-Star Superman, Green Lantern Emerald Knights, Batman Year One, Justice League Doom, Superman vs. the Elite, Batman Dark Knight Returns Parts 1 and 2. Superman Unbound, Batman Assault on Arkham, Justice League Gods and Monsters, Batman the Killing Joke, Batman Harley Quinn, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, Justice League Fatal Five, Superman Red Sun, we're not done yet, Superman Man of Tomorrow, Batman Soul of the Dragon, Justice Society World War II, Batman Long Halloween. Parts 1 and 2. Just Injustice, Gods Among Us, Catwoman Hunted, Green Lantern, Beware My Power, Batman, The Battle of the Super Sons, Legion of Superheroes, and Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham. Those are just feature-length animated films. Now, this doesn't include projects produced outside of DC Animation, like Batman Ninja and Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Crossover. That also doesn't include the 14 short films of various length from uh, between 2010 and 2022, which include the Spectre, Jonah Hex, Green Arrow, whoo, uh, Superman, Shazam, Return of Black Adam, Catwoman, Sergeant Rock, Death, The Phantom Stranger, Adam Strange, Batman, Death in the Family, oh. <laughs> Commandi, The Last Boy on Earth, uh, The Losers, which I'm going to have to look up because I didn't know it was an animated version of that. Blue Beetle and Constantine House of Mystery. So that's over 51 feature-length titles in 15 years. Suck it, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, of those, (laughs) 16 are an interconnected, the DC animated universe. The rest are all standalone films that are either original stories, uh, amalgam stories, or straight adaptations of the comic books. Now, that's a lot. A lot. Too much. Way too much. But within that, that's uh, the topic of today's show. We're going to sort through that litany of titles I just read off, and we are going to sort through the ones we think are worth watching and the ones we want you to stay away from at all costs. Uh, so in no particular order, only Chris, what would you like to start off with? Well, I mean, the the issue for me is, and part of it is, uh, I think the one of the better DC animated movies is one that's not even one we talked about because it's Mask of Phantasm is just so good. It predates all this, but yeah, it's the gold standard. Yeah, uh, it it stayed the undefeated. Like no one was even close to the realm of that until I borrowed a DVD, Blu-ray, something from you when we were roommates and watched Under the Red Hood because you talked about how good it was. Uh, we'll get to that one trust me yeah but now there's um truth be told the story behind this topic and everything is uh i've been working my way through a lot of the batman animated movies on hbo max max hbo whatever the fuck you're supposed to call it this week (laughs) um tj max hbo maximum effort yeah um so you know, I talked to you about that, and you're like, oh, that'd be a, good, that'd be a fun topic to talk about. 
I did not realize how many titles had been released when I brought that up because I was like, oh, I'll go catch up on a few. No, no, I did that. But yeah, there's a lot of varying degrees of good and bad stuff just from the Batman stuff I watched. Uh, I think the absolute worst one I've watched so far is Death in the Family. Oh, okay. Okay. Is that that one? In the Family is where Robin dies. Yeah. Of the family, I don't think they've done an adaptation of That's yet. Joker staple, basically. Right, yeah. Um, because all it is, literally, all it is, is just a different voice actor for Batman telling the story of Under the Red Hood using Under the Red Hood footage. Uh, the only person whose voice they actually still use is John DiMaggio as Joker, so he gets another credit, which is part of the reason I was excited to watch it. I was like, oh, cool, John DiMaggio came back as Joker. I'm a huge Futurama fan. Bender's one of the greatest TV characters of all time, so I really was excited to get more John DiMaggio as a lunatic, and it was just the exact same thing, and it has an hour and a half runtime on max and you don't realize it's 25 minutes of an hour and a half thing. And the other one is, I think that Sergeant rock. Oh, so they included the short with that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So very you, interesting. You you're going to sit down and watch an hour and a half Batman movie in the Batman parks, 25 minutes. And then this <sighs> entire thing is unrelated. And at that point, if you're like me, it's 1045 at night, you're angry. So you just start up a different Batman movie <laughs> because that's what you wanted to start in the first place. But yeah, I have not. I had not seen Death in the Family, uh, but that's yeah. You have. You've seen Under the Red Hood. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. The only thing that's different is at the very end. You know, he's. You can clearly tell that Bruce Wayne or Batman is talking to someone, and at the very end of it, you find out he's sitting across the table from it's Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent in a diner having a conversation, and uh, yeah, like by the end of it, you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, who gives a shit? <laughs> Was it at least the How It Should Have Ended diner? I don't know. Oh. Missed I opportunity. I think at that point it was just blind rage, so That's I fair. Attention That's to fair. It. Yeah, it's already kind of weird, because again, and, and you brought it up, uh, Under the Red Hood. Uh, granted, this story has been done uh, dirty by just everyone retelling this story in every medium. Uh, including video games yeah but when this story hit in comics it was amazing uh and then the the animated feature movie um batman under the red hood judd winnick the guy who wrote the comic book storyline did his own screenplay adaptation of his own comic so i was gung-ho to watch the animated film and granted there's some filler in there because it's an animated movie so we got to have a fight scene every 10 minutes uh because kids will get bored uh, but other than some of that, I thought it was a really, really well done adaptation of that story. And it kind of streamlined and simplified the because, again, the comic story is a comic book. So it has to deal with decades of continuity. And it gets a little like I like to term uh, comic booky, where it's like, oh, OK, that's fucking weird. Because uh, in the comics, he gets brought back because Superman, per, sorry, Super, Super Boy Prime punched time and space. Because comic books. Uh, so yeah, so the, the the screenplay is a much more streamlined, simplified version of the story, which so is why I really, really liked it. Of... takes the body of Robin and drops it in the Lazarus Pit? Yes, which is a little bit of a cheat, because traditionally the Lazarus Pit can rejuvenate the living. It can't bring really back dead. the dead. So there's a little bit of a conceit there, but it massively streamlines the story versus trying to explain 
Superboy Prime Punched Time, which is the simplest way I can explain. I forget which crisis it was where that actually came from. Uh, but Crisis on Infinite Earth 52. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Ultimate Final Crisis of the Two Earths of the... Yeah. Um, All, so, <laughs> All-Star Infinite Crisis. Yeah, there you go. All-Star. 152, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that one. I was like, dude, you got to watch this. Because it's that story. Again, if you've never heard the story of Red Hood and you're unfamiliar with the character, and especially if you don't know the whole story of Jason Todd, it's a really cool Batman story. Yeah, it's, it it's, it's Batman's greatest sin coming back to, to haunt him. Um, very much in the same vein of, of um, Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to pull up the, the the cast for it as well. You've got Jensen Ackles as Jason Todd slash Red Hood, Bruce Greenwood as Batman, John DiMaggio as the Joker, uh, Bruce Tim as Riddler, Neil Patrick Harris as Dick Grayson. Um, you know, they actually have some little kid playing Jason Todd. But, I mean, just, you know, if the first five names I mentioned don't do it for you, then I'm not really sure what else to tell you. Because, <laughs> yeah. They brought in uh, Gary Cole, the dude who played Lumberg in Office Space. Yeah. Commissioner Gordon. Yep. Like, there's just a lot of... There's a lot there that's, like, really easy to get into. Um, and it's kind of the... Like, it's the Batman animated movie for people who don't like Batman animated movies. Like, it's the one you can just kind of throw on with anyone in there who's like, oh, well, it's a cartoon movie, and, you know, I don't really read any of this stuff. And it's like, you don't have to. So. If you have a cursory knowledge of Batman, you're you're good to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and, and I think I told everybody to know about how oh, you got to watch this. Now, granted, the whole Red Hood thing has been done to death because uh, it's in, like you said, video games. It's in, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it was a great story and everyone just started repeating it everywhere. The fucking Titans uh, live action show did a version of Red Hood, uh, even though they were decades too soon for that character to actually play that, that or that yeah. actor to play that character. Um, it, it's, yeah, the fucking Gotham Knight, their whole thing was, oh, hey, surprise, we're just doing Red Hood, but we're calling it a different name, so you won't know it's Red Hood. Oh, yeah, uh, Arkham Knight. Arkham Knight, sorry. Yeah. Uh, they, they do finally end up just ditching it. Like, I mean, you know, well, I don't think they ever call him Red Hood, but at one point, like, once the bad ears get knocked off his helmet somehow, it stops being, like, gray and blue and just turns fully red, and you're like, hey... You're so clever. You tricked us all. Yeah. Um, so like the, the, the only uh, negative I have of that, of this movie, I still recommend it. If you're unfamiliar, if you, if you have not had the story ruined for you or spoiled for you or been told you 80 million times, um, if you haven't read any of the, because what they've done with the character since they brought him back has been absolute dog shit. Um, but if you're, if you don't have all that baggage, I recommend it. Um, the only thing I can say against it is time has not been kind to it because we've kind of taken what was a really cool idea and absolutely ruined it by just not letting it go. Because he should have, they, they eventually turned Red Hood. He should have been just a out and out villain, but they couldn't help themselves. They had to weave him back into the Bat family and make him a good guy again. Of course they did. Um, which is like, no, you don't, like, he, he should. If they would have kept him a villain, he would have been, in my opinion, like the Mount Rushmore Batman villains. Because, like, just his very existence is is twisting the knife in Bruce's side of, hey, you... He's up there with Killer Croc, Calendar Man, 
Uh, I can't think of any. Victor Zaz. Yeah, like some B-level villain. Egghead. Yeah. King Tut. Come on, man. Uh, no, but like, it's, again, his very existence is like a twisting the knife of Bruce. I'm like, not only did you fail to save me, but now look at what I've become. I'm like, he's the twisted evil reflection of you back at you. Like, that was a really cool concept. But anyway, that's me waxing philosophic about the comics. The movie is great. The movie is great. And it's a tight, like, 75 minutes or something, so it's not long. It's not... It's not anything you're going to have to, like, sit down and commit a while to, unlike some of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, looking specifically at uh, Dark Knight Returns and Long Halloween. Oh, let's get into that. Dark Knight Returns, maybe, arguably, one of the best Batman stories ever written. Certainly one of the most influential Batman stories ever written from back in 86. It ushered in the... Well, what was then the modern, now I think we call it the Bronze Age of comics, because yeah. the ages keep getting kind of shifted. Um, it's it's this, it's maybe the best thing Frank Miller ever gave us, uh, is is an era of, uh, you know, Batman in the 60s have been very much that Adam West, we have to make it campy to get past the Bang, censors. Pow, yeah. uh, and, and people had been trying for years to make Batman edgier and darker like he originally was. Uh, there were some great strides in the 70s, but really it didn't come to f- uh, a full fruition until this story, uh, which is at the time was an Elseworlds story. It still technically is because it's, it's a possible future for Bruce Wayne. Uh, but it's, it's it's credited as the story that gave Batman his balls back. Yeah. Batman's dark. He's edgy. He's gritty. He's violent. Um, not quite to the, the extremes Frank Miller writes his stuff nowadays, but that's a whole different show topic. Um, so, hey, when they announced we're going to do this as an animated feature and we're going to do it as a two-parter because it's a pretty long, pretty beefy story, uh, and, hey, we're going to have RoboCop be Batman. Frank Weller himself is going to come in to do, like, we were super excited yep. for this. And then we watched it. This is the movie I point out when I get into the argument over voice acting and acting. Acting are not the same thing. And that's not saying one is better than the other. That's just there are two very different sets of skills. And you can be a great actor and be a terrible voice actor. And this is what I point to because... You, Peter Weller. Peter Weller. I said Frank Weller. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking Peter Welker. Sorry. No, Peter good. Weller, RoboCop. Great. Love the actor. I love him in Leviathan. Everything is in. He's great. He is a terrible voice actor. He yeah. gives the most wooden, one-note voice acting I think I've maybe ever heard. This isn't a, this isn't a mud pit. It's an operating table. <sighs> It's just so dry. There's no emotion in any of it. I will say I do love the animation style they went for. They went for with it, though. I think it's a very beautiful movie. Just lacking. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know, like, does the actual, because I've never read The Dark Knight Returns. Um, do they bring in a female Robin or was that just done for the movie? No, that is absolutely in the movie. Okay. The Carrie Kelly, uh, as, as the new Robin is, that's fully out in the, in the, and, and rare because, uh, uh, um, author Frank, uh, thank you. Frank Miller. Frank Miller, Peter Weller. There we go. I'll get it right. No, I won't. 
Frank, crazy Uncle Frank, uh, is very much known nowadays for if he writes a female, they are either a a complete whore, literally, they're a woman of the night or of ill repute, uh, or they're some kind of sainted angel, and he has nothing in between, and it usually ends up being the latter. They're they're they or the former. They're usually end up being a trashy whore. Um, so Carrie Kelly's depiction. Being she's a minor and a female, thank God, he doesn't lean into any of those tropes. She's fairly unscathed. She's she's kind of a, uh, a hip punk girl who discovers the Batman mythos and is inspired by that on her own to kind of become Robin and then runs into Batman and gets folded into his his return. Kind of, except, you know, in the movie, he threatens to fire her in every scene they share. Oh, that's in the book, yeah. 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 He's a cantankerous old man. Cool, but again, it's just... His delivery is, if you do it, if you don't do that, you're fired. Just like he's just between bites of Honey Nut Cheerios, <laughs> he's reading these fucking lines. Um, I, I did like, oh shit, what's his name? Uh, he's, he's He was on Lost and Heroes. Michael Emerson, who voiced Joker in the movie. Okay. I thought he did a decent job. I'm going to show, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I think he did a really good job as Joker. He was an interesting Joker, at least. I'm trying to remember who played Two-Face in that movie. I'm trying to remember who played... <laughs> Someone just gets voice acting credit for Ronald Reagan. Because <laughs> I, I did really enjoy... the the. I think the thing I really liked in there was, you know, they, they've done the reconstructive surgery for Harvey Dent, so he's just Harvey again, and his face is okay. He is now... One face. Yeah. But like into everyone else, he looks like, you know, Playboy, DA, Harley, Harley Dent, or Har- Harvey Dent, sorry. But then like when he sees himself in the mirror, his entire face is just that burnt, fucked up side. And he thinks that like everyone's just laughing at him behind his back and everything. So he just goes crazy. But... Yeah, the story survives pretty well intact, uh, partially because they did it in two parts, so they gave themselves roughly two and a half hours, maybe three. No, it's right at three. Right at three? Each one's like a hundred and, like a hundred, each one's like an hour, 25 hours, okay. 27, so. So they gave themselves time to fully adapt it, which is, you, know, you usually see a lot, of, most of these adaptations, the, the the big thing is we had to cut stuff out. Yeah. And this one, I don't, I don't recall anything major being cut out. So the first time I watched it, I watched it on Voodoo uncut, like just the whole bam, like two, All hours, two parts 40, put yeah, together, okay. two hours, 50 minutes or something like that. The, this most recent time I watched it on the two, because like, I'm again watching on Max, so I watched part one, then I pulled up part two and watched that, and I was just like, everything felt a lot more rushed. Um, like, you know, I remember the, the Joker story lasting like the majority of the movie. And it really doesn't. Um, and I, for some reason, I had it in my head that the the Batman super fight hap- the Batman Superman fight happened before he kills Joker in the house of in the like the fairgrounds. Yeah. yeah, the fairgrounds. I think it's the tunnel of love where he kills him. Yep. Um, but so that really kind of got me, and I was like, I, I was just remembering a lot of stuff out of order. So you know. To go from this big point of Batman's, like, you know, Batman's finally broken his one rule, and Joker's dead, 
to then like well now he's gonna fight superman and go underground with green arrow who shows up for the last 16 minutes of the movie looking like old man hawkeye missing an arm yeah yeah, yeah it's uh it gets messy and rushed at points but overall i'd like if you had if it was kevin conroy instead of peter weller i think i'd like it a lot more i think yeah i mean that kind of he's he's everyone's default yeah. uh for a good reason um, the, the story it's adapting is, is kind of, um, uh, frantic like that. Yeah. Things just kind of get introduced. Comic? No. I know. Right. Uh, because again, it, it was done as, uh, originally printed as I think four parts, uh, maybe five. So it, it's, it's kind of choppy. Um, so yeah, it, as far as being a loyal adaptation, it's pretty good. As far as being like an enjoyable two-parter kind of thing, your mileage is going to vary. Uh, it brings up a lot of cool ideas that, again, have been done to death in other stories and other media. Um, but, because uh, I think there's even an episode of the... Or no, I think that's Mr. Freeze in the Batman cartoon who, who gets a whole, I've been cured, I'm better now, and then reverts back yeah. storyline. Anyway, uh, yeah, I give that one more of a mixed. It's, it's not the worst on this list uh but it's definitely not quite the best and and i'm gonna get to the worst right now have you watched the puzzlingly terrible adaptation uh slash edition of the killing joke oh yeah okay uh, i watched I, I won a digital copy of that and gave it to travis to put on his voodoo a few years ago and at, at that point i think you Either you or one of the art guys, like someone I know would watch it like right after release and been talking about like how terrible it is. And I was like, I don't think it's gonna be holy shit that's <laughs> bad. So the actual killing joke story story doesn't even start until almost thirty minutes into this movie. The entire I guess you'd call it a prologue first, first act is completely made up by Brian Azzarello, I think is the credited writer. Uh, And literally, fans confronted him for like, what the fuck was that, dude? Having him fuck uh, Gordon's daughter? Yeah, now, so first of all, The Killing Joke is not a story about Barbara Gordon at all. No. Uh, It is a story that famously is where the idea of Barbara Gordon being shot by the Joker and paralyzed comes from. And that it was it was originally published as an uh, uh, like an Elseworlds kind of story. Yeah. Uh, this isn't necessarily canon, but it's a cool Batman story. And then that aspect of it got canonized of of Joker shooting her and her becoming paralyzed and being. Now, granted, her becoming Oracle didn't happen for years after this story was written. They took that event and turned it into a cool thing with the character that then became synonymous with the character. Yeah. So this adaptation is trying to cram all that stuff that happened afterwards into this story to somehow make it a story about Barbara Gordon. And it's, not. it's not at all. So the the opening half hour is this whole added on weird ass story about uh, some criminal being obsessed with her and her and Bruce having a completely fucked up sexual relationship. Uh, which at this point, I think Bruce is supposed to be, I mean, Bruce would have to be in his forties and she's supposed to be like, 19. she's in college. Yeah. yeah. She's early twenties. He's at best mid thirties. 
Uh, Realistically, probably mid forties. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, a relationship that might never, ever, 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 ever happened in the comics. But Bruce Tim, the animation guy, seems to love to pair those two together for some reason. Uh, yeah, it's it's messed up. Anyway, putting that aside, if you can. Because uh, that kind of grinds that whole little prologue movie to a halt of, really, we're doing that? Okay. It's just a boring story. Yeah. It's 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 a lackluster mob enforcer guy who's messing with Batgirl's head. And I don't know what it's supposed to build up leading into. Because that story kind of comes to a close. And then we just start right up into the long haul, or not long Halloween, uh, the killing joke. Yeah. Ray Wise is Commissioner Gordon then? Hmm. That's awesome. Sorry, I'm pulling up the... It's okay. So if you cut that 20 minutes and start just where the killing joke actually starts, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the voice acting, we've got uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill reprising the roles as Joker and, and I Batman. I think this was the final time. Excellent. They were together. I think Kevin Conroy had some other stuff uh, in the can before he passed, but this is the last time that I'm aware of, of yeah, the two of them together. He's got the... He's got the I think the last Batman he's credited with is that Kill the Suicide or Kill the Batman Suicide. The game that hasn't come out yet, yeah. Which is like half the reason I'm going to watch it. Uh, yeah. So the voice again, again, opposite issue of of um, Dark Knight Returns. The voice acting is fantastic, and and the two of them, they'd both already retired from their roles at this point. But then when they were approached of, hey, we're doing the Killing Joke, they both signed on with one question, which is who is playing the other role. And when they were told, oh, it's it's Mark Hamill is doing Joker, he was like, oh, I'm in. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is great. We talked about that in our, our tribute episode to Kevin Conroy. Of the, the loyalty those two had to each other uh, was awesome. Yeah, it looks like he did... When did Killing Joke come out? Uh, hold on, let me consult this massive list. Oh, okay, I scrolled down to TV on accident. Uh, yeah, he did... Because it was 2016. And he did... Um, af- yep. After that, he did uh, Justice League versus the Fatal Five, which I've never heard of until I read the title of it. And Same. Batman and Harley Quinn, which I haven't watched yet. Same. Yep. So those are the last two. Um, but, yeah, and again, like, for something as epic as the last time that Hamill... And Conroy were going to be Batman and the Joker together. You just wanted more. Yeah, and it's the comic it's it's adapting is a single issue comic, so there wasn't a whole lot there. So I wasn't surprised when I heard they were going to pad it out. I didn't think they were going to pad it out like that. Uh, like I, predatory sexual relationships. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then not just that, but then again, so. <laughs> You get past all that weird crap at the the first thirty minutes, and it finally gets to the just adapting this story. And you're like, oh, okay. The art they they is is sort of similar to how it is in the comic, but not fully. It's the same guy that did um, Watchmen, so his art style, his colors are very specific. Um, it, it leans towards that a bit, but it's not fully just that adapted into movement like a motion comic. Um, so it's a little wonky. Um, but even after all that, there's a there's an epilogue where we see Barbara become Oracle. And it's like, again, they're trying to throw on meaning of events that happened years after this story was written to try to somehow recontextualize the killing joke as a Barbara Gordon empowerment story. 
Which again, this story has nothing to do with Barbara Gordon. It is it is it is almost a definition of fridging a character. Yeah. Uh, which is a comic term of you you kill off the love interest to uh, uh, inspire the hero to action. Which comes from a literal story where it was Guy Gardner's girlfriend was killed and stuffed into her fridge to motivate him to become a hero. Uh, yeah, yeah, fridging uh, became a thing in comics. It was, it was bad. Um, but this, Barbara Gordon in this story is basically there to be fridged. She's there to get shot and and to be a, to, to to come back as an oracle. Yeah, not even that. She's there to to get shot and victimized to inspire Batman into action. Uh, and, and that's literally, that's all she, she's there. She's in that one scene with her dad when she answers the door and gets shot. And then Joker poses her and takes messed up photos and makes her dad look at him because he's trying to drive Gordon insane. But again, even then she's a tool. She's a thing to drive Gordon insane and piss off Batman. She's not even a character in the story. On the one hand, I can kind of understand wanting to take, okay, all this stuff that's come out of this storyline. Let's, let's, let's add some of that to make her more of a character and less of just a victim in the story. However, that's not what the story is about. No, and it's... I'm not saying it's a good thing to just make Barbara Gordon a victim for the sake of fridging the hero or or being fridged to inspire. I'm, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that's how it was in the story you're adapting. Don't decades later try to fuck with it because nowadays that's really bad and we should be more uh uh um i don't know we should make her less of a she's she's empowered by that in the comics years later we should make that a thing no just adapt the story but you can't do that now. no it's 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 so bizarre now, killing joke was a very much a one and done for me it's not anything i plan on revisiting on this journey i'm currently on yeah um Speaking of <laughs> the Son of Batman trilogy, oh yeah, that's it's so slow. It's yeah. so boring, and I just don't care. They made the Court of Owls boring. <laughs> that's hard to do. Yeah, as uh, it should be. The the Deathstroke thing was mildly entertaining in the first one. Yeah. But like, you know, it, it, it just feels like he's there to like he, he feels like a secondary villain and he's the guy that killed Ra's al Ghul. Like, he doesn't matter as the guy who I, killed Ra's al Ghul. I don't remember him even being in the original Son of Batman storyline. It might not be. Which, granted, it was only a four or five issue arc. Um, but they stretched into yes. three goddamn movies. Uh, Talia and the Man Bat uh, Hand Ninja Assassins are in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember Deathstroke being in it at all. Which, I mean, I never usually complain about getting more Deathstroke, but yeah, he, he does feel very much, hey, we threw him in here because we needed to set up a, another villain. I have not watched... Batman versus Robin or Battle of the Super Sons. So I don't know how the rest of it plays out. And who did I watch? Whose copy of Batman versus Robin did I watch? Because I'd seen him before. And yeah, I can't remember. I don't know. I borrowed either Travis had it on Voodoo or I borrowed someone's copy of it. Like, and I would have up and down would have sworn it was yours. I don't um, know. Right? 
But no, Batman vs. Robin was... <laughs> Damien sure is a little prick. Yeah, and I haven't watched the third one, and I'm not sure I can bring myself to. What's the third one? Battle of the Super Sons. It's uh, John Jonathan Kent, Superboy, and um, Damien Wayne is Robin. Yeah, I'm all good there. <laughs> I'm all good there. Um, I am interested because I know so they've announced in in James Gunn's new um, new revised DC connected universe movies. Uh, they're bringing in their new Batman and Brave and the Bold, and they're announced they're bringing in specifically Damien Wayne, Robin. So I'm curious. Uh, how much of this story might be cribbed for that? So, if you know, again, I'm not saying it's a great story, but if you want to get a primer for what may be coming down the line in the live action movies, this might be worth a watch just to kind of give you a primer of who Damien is and his backstory and all that. Yeah. Unfortunately, his coolest storylines came from the time when Bruce was air quotes, dead, and Dick Grayson had taken over being Batman, and his Robin, Dick Grayson's Robin, was Damien. Uh, that was a maybe two-year period in the comics, uh, which was really interesting, because it was you know Dick trying to, to shoulder the mantle of being Batman while also raising another Robin, and a particularly stubborn Robin, and them butting heads all the time. It was a very confrontational Batman-Robin relationship, which was an, an interesting an interesting sort of flip on its head of the traditional Batman and Robin relationship you see. But I don't think any of those stories have been adapted outside of the comics. Yeah, and I'm trying to, like... I don't even know who the fuck Jason O'Mara is. I guess he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a couple years, Man in the High Castle, but, like, he's who voices he's Bruce th- Wayne in these, and it's just yeah. very... Well, oh, yeah. Okay. The first movie he's in where he actually has a credited role is a Resident Evil Extinction where he plays Wesker. So, uh All right yeah. then. Man, he's been He's been the Batman when they so in 2013 when they started doing like a connected animated series, I think he took over Batman through all like 16 of those projects. Anytime Batman's in one of those, it was him. Um I think they've kind of started a new cycle of connected stuff now, but I haven't gotten into any of that, so he has uh, voiced Batman 11 times. Yep, sounds about right. Um, I didn't realize he was Batman and Hush. Yeah, for some reason, Batman Hush got folded into their connected storyline universe, which is really weird because that no. very much should not be connected to any of that. No. That was the first time uh, in comic continuity we saw the return of uh, Jason Todd, even though they kind of got retconned. Um, and that, that's very much a sort of on its own Batman story. But I haven't watched the adaptation, so I don't know what they changed to make it fit. But. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I mean, I haven't read Hush in a very long time. And I just went back and, you know, watching that. I just, like, the motivation, like, the cheap-ass motivation they go with in the movie of basically it being, like, Riddler is just, like, I became Hush because everyone bullied me for being a joke villain. So they do straight Riddler is Hush? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Like, yeah, it's straight up, like... Interesting. When the matter, when the uh, tape and everything comes off its head, like, boom, question mark, middle of the forehead. 
Okay. Spoiler on like a seven year old. Well, that's yeah, because in the comics, Hush is his own character. He's he's kind of manipulated by the Riddler, but he's he's his own character. Oh no, it's just Riddler. Okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Huh. Well, that's good because they kind of another character they ruined by continually bringing him back was Hush. He was really cool in the Hush comic, where that, that's like his his introduction and his backstory, and one really cool story with him. Cool, and we're done now. And then they just kept bringing him back and like watering down the character. Yeah, it's all, all all you needed was that one story. But yeah, um, I'm trying to think another one where I didn't hate the animation style, but overall I thought the movie itself was very kind of. Let me get down to the cast again, like. A whole lot of people, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know you. <laughs> well, what I will recommend uh, that is kind of off in its own universe, I don't think it's 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 one of those sort of standalones, is the Batman Assault on Arkham from 2014, which has Batman in the title, but it's not a Batman movie. It's a Suicide Squad movie, and yeah. it's, it's the best Suicide Squad movie made to date. I'm very confused about one thing, and I have to go back to Hush okay. for a second. Okay, we're backing it up. So I'm looking at the, the cast list, and Peyton List voiced Poison Ivy and Pamela, or Poison Ivy, Pamela Isley. That's Peyton List. Okay. Barbara Gordon slash Batgirl is played by Peyton R. List. Who is that? Okay. There's an 11 year age difference between them, so they're not. Uh, so it's not like a mother daughter thing, which is it. It was just kind of weird for me. Like, yeah, that's weird. When I looked at it, I was like, oh, okay, so like they just voiced two characters and gave her the. Oh, no, that's two different people. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Batman Assault on Arkham is a really cool Suicide Squad story. They have to break into Arkham Asylum to, I think, free a prisoner for Amanda Waller. Uh, so it's the the Suicide Squad breaking into Arkham and having lots of cool villain cameos. Yes, Batman's in it, but it's not a Batman story at all. This is a full-on Suicide Squad story. Uh, it came out shortly before, I think, the, the first live-action movie, and it, it, it put it to shame. Uh, it's a great, awesome story. I think it takes place in the Batman-Arkham um, video game universe, so it's that version of, of the Batman, and it's like that version of those characters. I need to watch it. I it's fantastic. It it's one of the few I actually own on physical media because I watched it. It was like, this is great. I need to own this. Um, again, Batman is in it, but it's if you're watching for Batman, you're going to get very bored because he's he's not in it for very long. Um, but it was a great, great, awesome Suicide Squad story that, that got the concept of the Suicide Squad across, gave you a cool action movie, gave you a lot of cool character beats. Uh, if you didn't know these characters coming into the film, you, you know them by the end of it, which is how you want every movie to be. I'm sad they never did a follow-up to it. They did other Suicide Squad movies, but they're in different continuities, so it's not like a follow-up to this, uh, sadly. Plus, it has Nolan North in it. It does. Yeah. So, and, you know, he, he's awesome. I love Nolan North. <laughs> well, it's... I've told you my, like, the, the, well, the craziest role I've ever seen him play. Uh, so I'm watching Pretty Little Liars, and one of the main characters is a girl named Spencer. And you know, for the first like couple seasons, you never really meet her parents. You see her sister, you see her brother, blah 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 blah, or you see her mom, but you never see her dad. And then like towards the end of season two, her dad shows up, and I was just like, I know him. I, 
it's the only time I've ever seen Nolan North as like not a voice actor. Interesting. So yeah, I was like, and I remember like going into work, and one of the girls at work, she wasn't much of a gamer, but she played all the Uncharted stuff. And we were talking about it, and I go, Spencer's dad. Do you know who that is? She was like, I didn't recognize him. I go, that's the dude who voices Nathan Drake. <laughs> so nice. That's I was just trying to say something nice about these movies for a second, but uh, no, yeah. If 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 you if you like the previous Suicide Squad movies, um, give this one a try. If you didn't like those, please ignore them and start with this one because this really is a good Suicide Squad story. Um, and again, gives you just enough Batman. You can call it a Batman movie, I guess. His name's in the title. Doesn't really deserve it to be, but uh, great movie. Um. As is Green Lantern First Flight, which is one of the earlier ones. But that, again, if you've only seen the Green Lantern movie, I'm sorry. Please ignore it. Go watch this one instead. This is what the Green Lantern movie should have been. Uh, it's an animated film. It's got, um, I can't think of his name now. The guy from Long Road SVU, who was on Oz, whose name I can't think of. Uh, Green Lantern First Flight from 2009. The guy that plays Elliot Stabler. I can't think of his actual name. But anyway, he plays... Uh, there you go. Chris Maloney. Yeah, yes, he plays Hal. Uh, this is a Hal origin story. Um, but the the premise of the story was pitched as... Uh, this, this story is training day in space. Sinestro is the veteran Green Lantern who comes to Earth to figure out... No, I'm sorry. It, the computer went to oh, sleep okay. for a second. We're good. We're good. Uh, yeah, it's still going. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and repeat that just in case we lost it. So yeah, Chris Maloney <laughs> plays Hal Jordan, who's it's his origin story. Uh, it was pitched as Training Day in Space. So Sinestro, uh, before he's become evil, uh, has uh, is the veteran Green Lantern who comes to Earth to figure out what's going on with Evan Soar. Uh, they end up getting together and they go off on this whole mystery to figure out what's happening. It, it's a uh, again, it's the premise of Training Day in space. Hal Jordan is the uh, the rookie officer, and Sinestro is that uh, the Denzel Washington character who's already kind of kind of become a bit of a dirty cop, kind of bending the rules. Yeah. Uh, he, he's already be- started his corruption. Um, fantastic Green Lantern story. Um, I, I watched this after the the actual movie came out, and I was like, "Why couldn't they have just done this? This is such a cooler story. This gets across everything you need to know about the Green Lanterns in in less than an hour and a half." Does he say King Kong ain't got shit on me? Um, I haven't watched it for a while, so maybe. Um, they did a follow up, the Green Lantern Emerald Knights, uh, where they replaced Chris Maloney with uh, Nathan Fillion. That's a cool thing too, but it's it's a series of shorts uh, about other Green Lanterns. It, the the wraparound segments have uh, Nathan Fillion as as Hal Jordan, which is cool. But it's basically four or five short stories about Green Lanterns. Oh, cool. um, so it's it's cool, but it's not really like a direct sequel to this. Yeah, so. I, I think once I finish my Batman journey, which uh, given uh, how many given what my options are are left as, it might be coming to an end soon. I've never watched. Um, Batman Beyond, what is it, Return of the Joker? It's a good one. Okay, I need to watch that. Have you watched the Batman Beyond series at all? Yeah. Okay. Um, I need to watch that. I need to watch the Assault on Arkham. Um, I think there was like one more I wanted to watch. Uh, Batman Ninja. I need to see. 
That's an interesting one. Um, uh, apparently, for Batman Ninja, they redubbed and re-edited the entire thing for the U.S. audience. So there are two versions of the film, and from what I've read, the Japanese version is drastically different from the one we got in the U.S. Probably better. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the Japanese version's ever been commercially made available anywhere, but the internet exists, so yeah. I'm sure we can find it. So, and we'll, we'll save the one I've got a lot to say about for last. Okay. But, uh... Gotham by Gaslight? I haven't watched that, but it's on my list. Okay, it was... I've read the novel, or the, the comic it's based on. It was okay. There was stuff I, um, you know, I, I should have seen coming that I didn't, like the bait and switch about the killer and everything, but... Um, if you're not familiar, Gotham by Gaslight is, like, the elevator pitch is, it's turn-of-the-century Batman tracking down Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Um, and if that doesn't sell you on this project, I can't help you. Steampunk Batman. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was all right. Like I won't say it was great. I won't say. I mean, you know, it was better than. Uh, it was better than Son of Batman or Son of the Batman or whatever the fuck the movie's called. Because Jesus Christ, that was terrible. Really? Was it bad? Yeah. <laughs> we you haven't mentioned that yet today. <laughs> I just, I, I, I actively tried. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't know it was part of a trilogy. I'd seen Batman vs. Robin, but I hadn't seen the first one yet. <laughs> I don't think his eyes could roll any further back yeah. in his head just now. <laughs> so, um, uh, Gotham by Gaslight's fun. Obviously, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um, it is one of those rare Batman stories where it's more about him being a detective than yeah. it is the fisticuffs, which the I'm sure the animated series probably put in some fisticuffs because oh, yeah. they have to. But uh, and then, oh, let me let me pause. If you enjoyed that one, I just watched the other day in prep for this show. Um, it it it's definitely a Batman story, but it leans a bit more into the horror genre. Okay. Is Batman the Doom that came to Gotham? I originally thought this was a follow-up to Gotham by Gaslight because his his costume is very similar in style. But what it actually is, it's an Elseworlds title, so it does not connect to anything else. It's its own thing. It's a reimagining of Batman and Gotham and all of his supporting characters. But in the 1930s, and it's Batman tracking down Lovecraft uh, Cthulhu mythology. It was based on a graphic novel from 2001 or 2002 by Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy. Give me the name one more time. Batman, the doom that came to Gotham. So the creator of Hellboy writing a 1930s Batman, might be 1920s, um, uh, dealing with uh, Lovecraftian horror elements. Well, the the critic review is an 82. The audience score is a 51. It does not play like a normal Batman story. Okay, uh, it is much more leaning into the horror genre. And I don't think he even suits up as Batman until a good 30 minutes in. Because um, a lot of it deals... But if you're a big fan of Lovecraftian horror and you have a cursory knowledge of Batman, this is a really fun project. It's got the dude who played uh, the guy from Grimm as Bruce Wayne. Great voice cast throughout. 
it has one of my favorite depictions of Oliver Queen in, in cinema. He's a like 1920s super rich bachelor with like the, the smoking jacket and the ascot who's just drunk 24 seven. Jeffrey Combs is man bad. Yep. Yeah, the reanimator himself. There's some fun reanimator uh, uh, Easter, Easter eggs. eggs yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, again. If you're if you're a horror fan, uh, give this one a watch. It, it does not play out like a traditional Batman storyline. I don't want to say too much about what characters pop up, but it does give you a pretty cool, re- fully realized, like a true Elseworld story of hey, here's our pitch for like a different version of Batman. Here's our our pivot point and then what would the rest of batman's world and rogues gallery and supporting cast look like in this world they give you a pretty good chunk of that it's cool um it drags a bit towards the middle but uh, what does it nowadays but i know very very cool very different batman story and if you enjoyed um gotham by gaslight yeah this gives you that same again i originally watched it thinking this was a follow-up to that because his costume very much looks like the gotham by gaslight style so, uh, you ready to talk long Halloween? Let's do this. Or as I call it, the Venture Brothers paintbrush. Ooh. Uh, that's, it's, it's all I could think of. Okay. The opening scene, it's at Commissioner Gordon's house. His kids are getting ready. It's like, I think it's around Halloween. Um, yeah, it's around Halloween because they're getting like dressed up and getting ready to go trick-or-treating. And I hated the animation. I just hated it i turned it off like five minutes in and turned on something else and then like the next day i was like well long halloween's like my favorite batman story because i'm a 15 year old uh angsty teen that was jeff Loeb and jeff Lo- it's Loeb and sale yeah 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 um because they did well they did the whole marvel colors so, like the hulk gray spider-man blue daredevil yellow and then they were gonna do cap white and it never got past issue zero yeah <laughs> Um, but they did this, they did so. Dark Victory, and is there a third Batman one they did? Yeah, I think so. Because Dark Victory's got the red the red cover, and I think there's one with a yellow cover, okay. too. <laughs> Jeff Loeb. Nope, not Loeb. <laughs> That's a whole different Batman. list. Batman. Jeff Loeb comes out Batman reading order. Okay, oh, hey. okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I think Dark Victory takes place first because isn't it like kind of a Robin origin? Haunted Night, then Long Halloween, then Dark Victory. Haunted Night, that's one I could okay. think of. Yeah. All great stories. Go pick them up at your local comic book store. In fact, one thing I'll say about all of these, even the best adaptations, just go read the books. Yeah. Um, that being said, like... I got past it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And I, I did watch all, like I watched both parts along Halloween. <sighs> Does it look like Tim sales animation style? Was that what they were trying to do and just failed or no? Like it literally to me, it looked like venture brothers. Okay. Like it looked like that art style and everything. And long Halloween, no comic. Cause like, I guess I'm going to like look at some of the, Or they're not gonna have they're not gonna have an, a picture from the inside of the comic. Yeah, like no, it doesn't look like that. It does not look like that at all. No, okay. It just it very much looks like Adventure Brothers or like something from that era okay. of animation, which if they weren't doing a book like Long Halloween, maybe, but like, you know, you're doing 
one of the most famous Batman comic. Um, sorry, I'm moving around. Uh, you're doing one of the most famous Batman comic stories, and so it's just very much like a. Here it is. Yeah. Uh, well, that's disappointing. But I I really liked the the voice acting when we get pulled up because I know Josh Dumel. Uh, yeah. He voices Harvey Dent. Okay. Um. So this the story in the comics was a pretty epic run. Yeah. Twelve issues. Um. It's been collected into a trade uh, since then. But I believe it's the introduction of Calendar Man. Yeah. Um, it's, it's again, one of those stories where it focuses more on Batman as a detective and less as, as a, you know, the fisticuffs beat him up kind of stuff. Uh, but someone is committing murders in theme of the various holidays of the months and Batman cannot track him down. It gets into sort of the, the, uh, crime families of Gotham. Catwoman is a big supporting character. You run through a pretty good deal of Batman's rogues gallery throughout the 12 issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Great, great storyline. And then uh, Tim Sale's art style is unlike any other art style anywhere. Era. Yeah, he does some really great haunting Batman stuff uh, uh, using shadow and darkness uh, as Batman should be. Um, but again, it looks different from anything you've ever seen. It very clearly sets itself apart. Um, great story. On one of those, like if there's a Mount Rushmore of Batman storylines from comics, it's it's definitely on there. Yeah, um, it's my, my, a few years ago, my dad really wanted to uh, he wanted to read V for Vendetta and Watchmen. He really wanted to read both of those, and he gave me some money because I was going to half for uh, Barnes and Noble to look at some stuff anyway. And he goes, "Well, they're doing buy three get one too, so just pick out something else you think I'd like." And Bang for your buck, you know, Long Halloween's yay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a heavy read. Um, but I picked that out for him, and, you know, he made the mistake of reading that before Watchmen or V for Vendetta, and he goes, I like that more than either of those. I, Fair. Uh, and Watchmen was great for the 80s. <laughs> Watchmen was great. So for was the 80s. Dark Knight Returns, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's kind of all I'm going <laughs> to. We don't have time. That's a whole different show. Uh, yeah, no, it's a great story. I've not watched the adaptation yet. I apologize. It's that was a two-parter, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jensen Ackles is Batman. Oh. Um, like I said, Josh Jumel is um, Harvey Dent. Naya Riviera is Catwoman. Troy Baker is Joker again. Oh. Jack Quaid. Um, I'm sure you'll recognize. Yeah. Yeah. From the boys. He's, yeah, he's Alberto Falcone. Um, if Scott Cox is listening, he's Boimler on Star Trek Below Decks. Uh, Billy Burke is Commissioner Gordon. Okay. Again, someone who I think you'll recognize when you see a picture of him. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, He's been in... Oh, he was in Lights Out. There okay. you go. And I'm sure he's been in other shit. But, um, yeah, there was just... Like, I, I liked the story enough to find enjoyment in it despite how much I hated the animation. But, yeah, it was one of, I don't know, I don't know if I'd like, because saying it's on the better side of being like, yeah, it's up there with Mask of the Phantasm and um, Under the Red Hood, and it's not. But those are... That's a high bar. Yeah, those are like the upper echelon of the Batman animated movies. And I can't decide if I want to watch Arkham Knight again, like the the 
the one with all the shorts, like the 10 minutes, basically Batman with the Animatrix paintbrush. That was, yeah, that was supposed to tie into the Nolan verse. Yeah. Which was an interesting experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see, I'm going through Batman titles. Specifically, just the Batman titles. We can't go more than a year without having a Batman title. Uh, yeah, check out Doom that came to Gotham. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. Um, yeah, because it's again, and I, I did not realize uh, until I was halfway through it, and I, I was me and had an IMDb it uh, that was based on an actual storyline. And, and now I want to find a copy of this trade because I did not know Mike Mignola did a Batman story. And now I want to read this more than anything that exists. Um, a plus didn't have a copy, sadly. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was, it was again really cool. Uh, there's there's so many titles. Again, there are 51 official feature length, quote unquote, titles. Not not to include all the the shorts they got into. The the Green Arrow short is awesome. Again, it's like a 12 minute short that is kind of a really cool, just all in one Green Arrow story. The uh, the Spectre short from 2010 was a really cool 70s era horror story. Uh, that was an origin of of the Spectre. It came out with I forget which. This is back when uh, when their direct to, to um, video projects would come out. The bonus feature on several of them for the first few years was an animated short. Yeah. The the DC Showcase is what they yeah, called yeah, it, and yeah. it would highlight a different, uh, a lesser known character, um, which is cool. And they kind of brought it back. Uh, they did a whole. They did an entire release that was just shorts that I guess we're going to at some point come out with other animated features. And they said, screw it, just put them all on one disc. Um, that's where the Batman death and the family got put under is, is a short because it apparently just the recut footage. Um, and I haven't seen a lot of these, but uh, that one's cool too. Uh, that being said, good. I, I was going to say, I haven't seen much of the DC animated stuff outside of uh, Batman, Batman stuff. Itself, yeah, that's fair. Um, with that in mind, uh, they're going to keep making movies. They've already started their own kind of another interconnected. They're calling it the Tomorrowverse because it started with Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Um, sure, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but they're going to keep making these movies. They're going to keep this habit of taking well-known stories from the comics and adapting them into animated films, whether people want them to or not. So only Chris. <laughs> What project or story would you like to see them adapt into a future animated film? I can stall for time. Yeah. Because uh, I hit you with that out of nowhere. My, my joke answer is All-Star Batman and Robin. Uh, but no, honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing will we Will we finally get an ending to All-Star Batman and Robin? Because yeah. then I might actually purchase it. I wouldn't. It's, I'd wait till it hits max. Yeah, no. Those, those are alternate ways to watch it. I have debated selling those so many times. Um, I would probably go with... Honestly, something like Dark Victory, like just follow up yeah. to Long Halloween, just something. Do it in the actual Tim Sale art style. Yeah. Do it, you know, a correct version of it. Uh, Death uh, in the family of the family. Of the family. Death of the family is also up there because the more wacky and crazy Joker I get, the more wacky and crazy Joker I'm gonna like. That is peak dark yeah. crazy Joker. And man, like I just gotta say, I think the fucking. Uh, 
DC smashes Marvel when it comes to the animated movies. Marvel hasn't even been trying lately. Yeah. Honestly, like they're not even in the game anymore. No. They, they were for a hot minute during like the early, uh, like between phase one and two, we have like the Dr. Strange movie and some of those came out, but uh, they, they, they gave up even trying. Yeah, I know you have that Hulk verse that has that really good Hulk first Wolverine and Hulk first Thor. Yeah. The, yeah. the Hulk first Wolverine where it's basically a weapon X story. X, yeah. A weapon X story. With Deadpool and Omega Red and just all those weird ass fucking cameos, but I don't know. That's a good question about other stories. The one I've uh, since they started adapting actual stories, and this is this is not only is it I think one of the greatest DC stories ever written. It's on my DC Mount Rushmore. It's like number one. It's the story. It's the comic that got me into comics back in end of high school, beginning of college. Yeah. Um, you were there the night I bought it, actually. Uh, we were at Joseph Beth killing time for something. I don't remember what. Yeah. And I found a copy of um, DC Kingdom Come. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was like, oh, I haven't like, I heard it mentioned um, in the, the Wizard magazine that I was reading. It was like, people say this is really good. And then I think this is the whole thing. So I'll go ahead and buy this. I had no idea what I was getting into. But well, it was working out for you. <laughs> great. Uh, you're sitting on all my comics. Um <laughs> He's on a couch above my long boxes. Uh, anyway, I love this story. It's an Elseworlds. It's a possible future of the DC universe where things have gone bad. Um, and and Superman is, has retired. All the old school heroes have kind of retired or fallen off. A new generation's come in and they're just fucking everything up. Uh, and, and Superman comes back into the fray to kind of set things straight, but unknowingly kind of sets things on an even darker path. Yeah. Um, it's it's The art is done by uh, Alex Ross, who okay. does not traditional comic book art. You have a penciler who draws actually, you know, with, with pencil, draws everything that you see on the page. Then you have your, your inker uh, who comes in and your, your dialogue people who put the bubbles in. It's, it's kind of a, 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 a um, um, yeah, thank you. Alex Ross doesn't do things traditionally. Alex Ross paints all of his panels. So it looks like unlike any other traditional comic book because they're, they're hand painted and then reduced down to the size to fit into a comic book. Um, but they are gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's it's a story where it's if you have a, a passing knowledge of the DC universe, you'll recognize who the characters are. Uh, but for me, who only knew of the Justice League through like the you know the Super Friends cartoons and some of that stuff, the the Justice League cartoon had just kind of gotten started on like Cartoon Network and stuff. Um, it introduced me to a lot of new characters. Uh, who was, I was like, I don't know who they keep talking to this person. I have no idea who that is. And I had to go like find out and look them up. And it, that's that whole process of trying to figure out who they're talking about and who that character is, is what got me deep into comics. Cause it's one of those, if you know the lore, it's really cool. Uh, but you don't have to, to follow the storyline. Uh, but it's, it's, it's at, at both. Uh, it's simultaneously a dark story, but a hopeful story. Unlike some of the other darker stories of like, oh, Superman goes evil, which I'm over and done with, or the, you know, Batman finally kills the Joker, which I'm over and done with. It gets dark. It has some very dark moments, like a nuke gets dropped on superheroes at one point in the story. It gets dark, but it never loses that hopeful uh, uh, edge that the DC stories, in my opinion, should have. And it it, it ends on a very hopeful, as dark as it gets. 
it's always darkest before the dawn. And by the time you get to the the epilogue, you feel like everything's in a better place, and these characters are in a better place, and it doesn't leave you feeling you know dark and, and grungy. Um, I love this story to death. I would kill to see this done as a two-parter animated thing to give it time to because it's it's a dense storyline. Uh, and I I I keep going back and forth on should you even try to take Alex Ross's art style and put movement to it? How would that even work? How would that look? I don't know. Ask Justin that the next time you see him. I just want to watch him twitch. Because um. <laughs> again, it's unlike any other comic book art. It's it's literally painted on the page. Nowadays with digital technology, I'm sure we could find a way to make that, give that movement and dimension. Uh, I don't know if it would work or not. Yeah. You'd have to put some money into R&D before you figure if you decide to go forward with that or not. But yeah, this this is the story I keep waiting for. So we've done all these uh, Superman, Red Sun, and and um, Long Halloween, all these great storied, beloved comic book stories from DC, but no one's touched Kingdom Come yet. We've done the death of Superman twice, haven't got to Kingdom Come yet. How do you improve on perfection? Uh, True. That's my one big pitch. I also want them to do that. Uh, what, what was it called? Batman 86, 89? 89, the yeah. continuation. Yeah, just do that. Just bring in Michael Keaton to voice Batman. Just more Michael Keaton as Batman yeah. is what we want. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. Give us the damn Batgirl show. Just put it on Max. Yeah, just put the damn movie We'll out. watch it. You put out the Flash and that was dog shit. <sighs> you have footage of Michael Keaton as Batman and you're going to hold that from the world? Shame on you. Shame. Just call it an Elseworlds movie. Just call it like yeah. Just just make it Batgirl Elseworlds and just put it out. And not only that, but but uh, Brendan Fraser played Firefly. You're you're taking Brendan Fraser as a DC villain away from us. What? Yeah, yeah. The villain in the Batgirl story was Firefly, played by Brendan Fraser. Have you seen my Brendan Fraser T-shirt? No. The one that says uh, the Mummy, more like the Daddy. <laughs> Accurate, one hundred percent accurate. <laughs> Wore that to a music festival last year. Nice. Got a lot of comments. I should have worn that one to Pride. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's uh, again. I, I I'd love to see some Green Arrow stuff, but I don't know specifically what storyline from him to do. Um, but dude, Kingdom Come is just one of those like this feels poised because it it it. I'm sure they'd call it Justice League Kingdom Come, but it, it covers the entirety of the DC universe. Everyone's there. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. There's an entire new generation of heroes that come up behind them. They're like uh, um, Magog. Uh, and, and, uh, just, Is it kind of like DC Young Avengers? Kind of, but much, much better. Young Avengers still has probably my favorite opening panel in any comic where it's just J. Jonah Jameson going, who the fuck are the Young Avengers? Yep. Uh, yep. Marvel, you can make that happen. Yeah. You have J. Jonah Jameson back in the MCU. <laughs> uh, but yeah, any other uh, DC stories you think would make cool cartoons? Sorry, animated features? Wouldn't want to call them cartoon. That's a... Uh... Just They've done some Justice League Dark stuff. I'm surprised they haven't done a Swamp Thing yet because they keep really pushing Swamp Thing. Although I think he's got a either a live action or animated movie coming on James Gunn's docket somewhere down the road. 
did they make a year one movie? The Batman year one. Okay. They haven't done the Justice League year one, which yeah. is a cool book. Yeah, they did a Batman year one movie, didn't they? Okay. Yeah. I haven't watched that yet either. It's a, If you've read the book, it's a, it's yeah. pretty much the same thing, but it's pretty good. It's got What's-His-Name from the OC. It's young Bruce. I'm just kind of like scrolling through it's it's his list of the top 25. Uh... I would love to see Superman Birthright, which is my absolute favorite Superman story. Uh, granted, it is a, a updated partial retelling of his origin, so you have some of that to trudge through again. Uh, but it's it's one of those books where people tell me, I don't like Superman. I'm like, here, just read this. If you still don't like Superman, fine. Um, the Grant Morrison Arkham Asylum. Oh. That's a hard R. And it's Ooh. basically... Well, if you're doing direct video you yeah. can get around that. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's a big one for me. And I remember the first time I bought that, thinking like i didn't really flip through it or anything i think i may have ordered it and i was more like cracking the cover and starting to read it and i was like i don't think i'm high enough (laughs) but yeah the batman the grant morrison arkham asylum is one of the ones i'd really love to talk about a unique art style that's all like kind of watercolor isn't it yeah yeah although have you seen uh spider-man across the spider-verse yet Okay, so slight the spoiler, Spider-Gwen's universe is all done in watercolors that change with her emotions. So oh, you could do the watercolor Grant Morrison motion style. You could make that work. Because that's my big thing is, is don't just tell cool stories, but like get crazy with the animation styles. Like get, get you try different stuff out. Because again, uh, Across the Spider-Verse is insane. Every universe they go to has a different animation style, and and those multiple styles end up on the screen together a lot. And it's like, did you? It's awesome. Did you hear about the what they apparently cut? They cut an action figure one where the action figure was literally just going to be oh held by a hand. Oh my god, that would have been awesome. I kept waiting for a a spoiler for what's not in the movie. I kept waiting for the the nineties uh, Spider Man cartoon Spider Man to show up somewhere. Yeah. I know a bunch of people were kind of disappointed because they thought there might be a live action tie-in. Well, again, I won't say anything. Okay. Uh, it's awesome. I need to see it. Yes, really you do. You it. really do. It, it is. We're not talking DC at all. It's a fantastic movie. It's also the best multiverse story I've ever seen, or I have seen yet. I'll say that, excluding maybe everywhere, everything everywhere all at once, which is on its own different. Like as far as you know, I like No uh, No Way Home and and all that, but like. This is a great uh, multiverse story. But. Yeah, I heard it basically just kind of improves in every possible way over the first one, which yes. is a tall task because Into the Spider-Verse, whatever the fuck the first one's yep. called, is just so good. Like I, I, I had my top five movies of the year, and I sent them to Travis. He and I were talking about it, and I was like, this list is unfair because I haven't seen Evil Dead Rise or Spider Man <laughs> Spider Man yet. And how did that list change? <laughs> uh, well, uh, Evil Dead just skyrocketed <laughs> yeah. um, and knocked some. I can't remember what they were, but it knocked something out of the list. But yeah, like just damn. Like, yeah, I, I really, really need to see it. I really want to see it. So. At this point, I might catch it in theaters, or I might just wait until Travis buys it and puts it on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Fair enough. If you go to theaters again, let me know. I want to see it again. It was fantastic. Um, but yeah, so there you go. There's our walk through the mostly Batman <laughs> DC animated original movie universe, the DC AOMU. Mm-hmm. Again, rolls right off the tongue there. I don't know why that didn't become a thing. <laughs> uh there's a lot i think most of these are on uh max so if any of these titles jump at you go give them a shot um they are in they're kind of hard some of them you have to dig for because since they became max their user interface is terrible you can find all the batman ones yeah yeah very easily yeah Yeah. um so go give them a look give them a shout out there's the ones we recommend and the ones we think you should stay away from uh and if any of the people in power at dc are listening which i'm sure they are uh that's the projects we want to see give us that uh grant morrison arkham asylum and give us that alex ross kingdom come just bring in the dude who directed color out of space that made it <laughs> no i need him to keep making his his eldritch horror trilogy that's fair i need him to get back on that uh Well, there you go. Until next time, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert.